0: Here, so this is my first time ever preaching. So hopefully, I don't uh, put you all to sleep. But I've been praying all week that the Spirit will move. So, um, so yeah, so you know what we've been doing here at the branch is going through Luke. Uh, we're gonna be in Luke for a total of, I think, two years or so. Um, uh, in the summers, we usually take a break uh, from whatever we're teaching throughout the year um, and teach on some topic. So, the topic for the summer, as Ricky introduced last week, was uh, or is spiritual disciplines. So, throughout the summer, We're going to be learning about the different spiritual disciplines, different spiritual disciplines of um, our faith, right? So uh, Ricky opened it up last week with confession, Um, and this week we're going to be learning about worship. So the spiritual discipline of worship and what it looks like to be a true worshiper of God. Um, So when Gabe told me about a month ago that I'd be preaching on this weekend and he gave me the topic of worship, like, awesome, like I was excited, like, hey, I'm going to get to preach, very nervous, of course, but I uh, uh, was, was like, okay, worship, yeah, that'd be cool, and then, so when I started studying for it, though, like, um, I was like, cool, like, worship, and then I was like, well, let's think about this, like, what is my gut reaction, like, if I was sitting, you know, in, out here, and somebody came up and said, I'm preaching on worship, what would I think, like, what? okay, what is he going to preach on, so my gut reaction, my gut first inst- instinctive thought was, like, Sunday morning, right, like, we come Sunday morning, we come to worship, thought, you know, music, like, you know, we played music, songs, things like this, um, or church camp, you know, D-Now, if y'all ever did that, that was always a good time. So those are my first reactions of worship, of just kind of what came to mind. Um, so I came to the realization later, though, as I studied and really thought through it and got deeper, that worship is like an iceberg. So if you look at an iceberg, you see the top, you see what's above the surface, that's only 10% of the total mass of an iceberg, so basic math, 90% of it is below the surface. We can't see it easily, correct? Like, everybody got that? So when we think about worship, when we think about Sunday mornings and uh, singing and music, that's all great, but it's only what you see above the surface in worship. So um, we have to get deeper. Spirit or worship is so much deeper than what I think we think just off the top of our heads. So many of you probably know about the Titanic. So the Titanic was this massive ship that was thought to be – Unsinkable and invincible. Uh, it was huge, like 882 feet long. Uh, it sailed in 1912, um, and it crashed into an iceberg. Uh, they got repeated warnings over and over. There were icebergs. They were like, okay, whatever. I got more important things to do, right? So they were going 22 and a half knots, which is their max speed. Okay, like they were literally going full speed ahead, like despite warnings of icebergs. Um, so as we all know, they crashed into the iceberg, and 1,503 people died. So. The Titanic and the crew of the Titanic did not take the iceberg seriously uh, because you can only see 10% of it. You can only see what's above the surface, right? You can't see what's below. Uh, So they crashed into it, and that happened. So when we look through the New Testament, we see that nowhere in the New Testament does the apostles describe worship as a place or somewhere we go to worship. Like, yes, it is good that we worship here on Sundays. We come together as a body to worship. It's awesome. But there's more to it. That's that's not where we, we can't stop there. Just thinking we're going to come on Sunday and worship and that be it. Um, so the main point of the sermon is true worshipers worship God in everyday life. And in all that we do, that's we are called to worship God. Um, uh, so if you turn uh, with me to John four, uh, picking up in verse twenty, we're going to really just, uh, hopefully dive in. Obviously, I'm not trying to get up here and and cover nine, the 9% we don't see in worship, but hopefully we can at least get below the surface in worship and kind of have a basic understanding of what's going on. So John 4, verse, starting in verse 20, says this, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is a place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such a people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must, must worship in spirit and truth. So let's pray. Father, God, thank you this day. Uh, Father, I'm very humbled to just be up here and have this ability to preach. Um, Father, I just pray that you will move uh, in this place, your spirit will move, um, and here you open up our hearts and our minds to see you, to see your word, to see what you have to say about worship. Um, Father, I just pray that you'll move in this place and help us see and understand um, how we are called to worship. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, uh, some context for what's happening in John 4. So, Jesus met the woman at the well. Jesus and the disciples have been, uh, they're, cut, they're moving through Samaria, or yeah, Samaria to Galilee. Uh, the disciples took a break, and they went into town to get some uh, some food. So Jesus uh, says he's weary, he's tired, he's chilling by the well. Uh, it's a hot part of the day. And this woman comes up um, wanting to get some water, um, which is unusual because women usually come in packs early in the morning when it's not as hot to come get water. So she's by herself. She didn't want to run into anyone. Um, so Jesus meets with this woman and is talking. And um, you know, Jews and Samaritans didn't, they don't get along, they're not very unusual for a Jewish man to speak to a Samaritan woman right so they're communicating and Jesus is is telling her about the living water that if you drink of this living water of me of what's going to come that you will never thirst again and he he repeats it and is telling her all of this but it goes over her head she's not getting it so Jesus is like okay um, I'm gonna get your attention so he asked about her husband he's like tell me about your husband she's like I don't have a husband he's like you're right you've had five husbands and the, the guy you're living with right now is not your husband um, so Jesus called her out in her sin got her, got her attention, right? Um, so we see in our scripture that we just read that, um, the Samaritan woman makes a classic move of, oh boy, they just picked, you know, called out my sin. Well, I'm going to pull a theological argument on you. Like, let's talk about worship, like completely change the subject. I mean, how many of y'all have ever changed the subject when you got uncomfortable and somebody called you out on something? I know that I have, right? So classic move by the Samaritan woman, and, um, I'm going to read again, um, The first three verses of our text so again uh, jesus called her out she was like i perceive you to be a prophet and then she says this i worship our fathers worshiped on this mountain but you say that in jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship jesus said to her woman believe me the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in jerusalem will you worship the father you worship what you do not know we worship what we know for salvation is from the jews so notice in verse 20 when the woman is speaking That she's focusing on where we worship. She's like talking about the place. The reason for this is the Samaritans had a skewed uh, first five books of the Old Testament. They had their own version, basically. They had different views on where we ought to worship. Um, So the Old Testament had a temple right? you came and you worshiped at a place. Um, However, we see a shift here where Jesus, in verse 21, is foreshadowing a change in our worship where he says, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So we're seeing a transition to something else. He's foreshadowing a change in how we are called to worship. Verse 22, Jesus is calling out a Samaritan on the fact that they do not know whom they worship. And that, like I already said, the Samaritans had a different view of Scripture. They had their own version that they followed, their own place where they're supposed to worship, which was false. It was not correct. Um, so they worship something that was vague and out and wrong, right? But the Jews had it right. Uh, so they didn't know who they worshiped. So the transition here is the next verse where it says, but. Anytime you see but in scriptures it's kind of a b- big deal, big shift in thought, right? So it says, but in verse 23. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such a people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So Jesus is foreshadowing in verse 23 his death and resurrection. He is now here, but the cross is coming, right? The cross is coming. He's going to lay himself down for our sin to make a way for us to come to God. Um, And as he does this, the Father is seeking true worshipers. So Jesus, in his daily life, right, he's traveling. He's moving through uh, Samaria of Galilee. And comes across this woman, he's seeking to make this woman a true worshiper. That is what God is doing um, in this. So the Old Testament form of worship was a stepping stone to where we are now in the New Testament. From a where we worship to a whom and how we worship, which is spirit and truth. Um, So if let's look at verse 23. Either way, I got it off the top of my head. So, uh, where it says Jesus is seeking a true worshiper, right? So seeking a true worshiper, why? Like, why is He doing this? God of the universe is seeking out a people. That's kind of a big deal. That it's, it's not us doing it. We're not having to go climb a mountain to go find God or go do whatever. The God that created everything, created you, created me, created the universe, is seeking. It says He is doing something. He is seeking a people. To worship him that is why that's that's why he's seeking a true, the true worshipers. like the Old Testament stepping stone to what is now the true worship right God is seeking out a people to worship him that is why we're called to worship if you're in Christ if you have the spirit of God in you we are called to worship God in all that we do so y'all are wondering okay cool like we're supposed to be you know, called to worship God is seeking us out um i how the heck do we do this? Like, how how does this work? How does this play out, right? So, again, we see the shift from where we worship to now whom and how we worship in spirit and truth, and truth, both together. So, hopefully, I will help all of us and myself understand what that means and break that down, because a lot of my studying and trying to understand this text was spent on what in the world that looks like. How do we worship in spirit and truth? So, what I found and what I found in Scripture There are three components to worshiping in spirit and truth, which is what we're called to do, right? So, three components. One is the head. Worship with our head. Our heart is number two. Number three is the body. I count the body as a third component, but in reality, it's all of it together. But either way, three components. Head, heart, body. And we're going to break that down. So, heart. So, if you turn with me uh, real quick to Ephesians 5, starting in verse 15, we're going to learn about the heart you turn there all right so Ephesians 5: in verse 15 <clears throat> look carefully then how you walk not as unwise but as wise making the best use of time because the days are evil therefore do not therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery but let yeah, me see about here but be filled with the spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody to the Lord with your heart. Give me thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, verse seventeen. But be filled with the Spirit. We have to be filled with the Spirit to, to fully worship God. We have to be how we have to have faith in Christ and believe in Him. The Spirit come on us to then wholeheartedly worship. So that's the, that's the first key in our worship. We have to be filled with God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Um, next we see, so be, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody to the Lord with your heart. So if you have the heart of flesh, if you have the heart that God has given you, if you have the Spirit within you, those go together. So our heart, or the spirit side, uh, so to speak, is our spiritual affections. It's God moving through the Spirit in us, in our hearts, to have a desire for God, to love God, to uh, be in awe of God, to have a, just the wonder of God, to be able to see all of these things. It's the Spirit moving in our hearts, and they're connected, and they're together. Um, look again past that. So it says, making melody to the Lord with your heart. The next verse, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you have the Spirit within us, making melody of the Lord with our hearts the spirit is then moving, giving thanks, praising God, singing to God, lifting up our praise and our adoration to God. It's it's our emotions, our spiritual affections, our emotions, the spirit moving in us to worship. It doesn't say making a melody of the Lord to your or, making melodies to the Lord with your head. Head is important, we're getting to that. But it's not just intellectual. Which again, we're going to see It takes both spirit and truth. Okay? make that distinction so transition so matthew uh turn to matthew 15 starting verse 8 I'm read 8 and 9 so here as you turn there some context so jesus is calling out the pharisees in this uh, so the pharisees are trying to call out jesus on um, on doing some things and so he calls them out and basically what's happening here when we read this text here in a sec I'll give you a chance to turn there uh, jesus is calling the pharisees hypocrites and he says did isaiah say this because of you, like pointing to you. So what we're about to read in these two verses is a quote from Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. All right, so starting verse 8, Matthew 15, starting verse 8. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. I'm me read that again. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So here, we see that it's not a where, right? It's not where we worship. We're having to worship in spirit and truth. So we can worship, or not, excuse me, let me rephrase that. We can honor God with our lips, right? He's saying the Pharisees can say all of these things that are maybe biblically correct, but their heart inside, internally, they're rotted out to the core not they have no love for god desire for god they're not seeking him to want to know him more to love him more any of that so we can have the head knowledge right we can know scripture but if that's all you have and there's no heart there's no affections, there's no anything for god there's no desire for god loving god wanting to follow his commandments and love him in that way then we need to take a sec and see because this is saying that if you know things, you say things that are correct, but your heart is far away, that's vain worship. You're not worshiping. You can't stop short. We have to have both spirit and truth. We have to worship with our head and our heart. If we cut out the heart side of worship and keep it to just intellectual endeavor, we only have half of what God is saying. Notice again in John, it says spirit and truth. It doesn't say spirit or truth. It doesn't give you an option to pick the one that you like the most. We have to worship in both spirit and truth. So that's the heart. So the head. So turn with me to Second Timothy 3, starting verse 16. We're going to read 16 and 17. So 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. So this is Paul's letter, second letter to Timothy, charging him. Here we go. So, starting verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Read that one time. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So that we see the Scripture, the the foundational importance of Scripture here that. It is good enough. It is complete. It is made so that it can teach us and be complete in itself, in the word. Um, And in doing this, God gave us this. God gave us his word so that we can know him, so that we can love him, so that we can know who he is, what he's done, what he's doing in our lives, what he's doing around the world. Um, So if we don't know scripture, if we don't spend time in his word, we can't worship in spirit and truth. Because the truth will be far away, we won't know Him. You have to know whom you worship. So a word of caution. As I'm about to bridge it to bring these two full circle and bring it together, but a word of caution. I imagine, because I know, and for me, that I lean more. For me, I lean more towards truth. I like when it comes to worshiping in spirit and truth, I lean towards truth. For me, like I like to learn. I like to read. I like to know things. I like to share things. All this stuff. That is where I lean. I'm not all that of emotional person. Okay, like I don't. I'm not very good at sharing emotions. I'm working on it, but I'm not that good at it. So, just letting y'all know, I'm like trying to get better. I mean, I still have emotions. I'm not like a brick, but like, you know, they're still there. It happens. You know, I cry at weddings a lot of times and stuff. But, um, but anyway, so, but 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 for me, like, I lean more on that side, more on the intellectual end. But if, but if I do that, then it's only just. Ahead, it's only just head knowledge i won't i'll be i may know who god is but i really won't because i won't have any affections for him i won't love him i won't or i'll be quenching that i won't be, a, we'll be quenching, quenching the spirit we won't be allowing the spirit to move in us to move those affections will be blocking them out and a lot of the times i think men i'm a man last time i checked so i think men typically um typically um focus and lean on this side like we're not typically emotional people, men, right? We want to be tough. We want to be the man of the house, all this stuff. Um, but we're still called to have feelings. We're still called to have emotions for God, for others, to share the love of God with others, to love God first and then move out of that love to others. Um, so be cautious of this, to know to know yourself, to look at yourself, like which side do you lean? Because, uh, yeah, it's great to know tons of things about God, to, but we have to move allow the spirit to move in our hearts to have that affection. now the other side of the house the heart side so some people are going to lean more towards the heart more towards the spirit side of things they're going to be more uh, led by feelings and emotions and just well I feel God said this and whatnot which is fine but if if you lean more on that side and you neglect scripture you neglect truth, then you're just gonna be getting tossed around and just kind of floating because you're not going to be grounded in anything when you when you're being moved by the spirit that's good of course. But you have to know God. The only way you know God is to know Scripture. So it takes both spirit and truth together to worship, to be a true worshiper of God. We have to have both. So, to, so think, like, evaluate, pray, like, God, where do I stand in this? Because I know none of us are perfect. I know I'm not. I, like I said, I lean more towards the truth. That's I, 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 what I want. But I can't stop there. I have to open up. I have to see that I have to worship. So just to drive this home, think of a doctor. So a doctor, doctors are important, right, for our health. So you go to a doctor. The doctor says, "All right, um, so I can save either your head or your heart. Which which one would you pick?" Head or your heart? Which one? Well, let's think about basic anatomy here. So if you lose one or the other, you probably you're, you're not really going to live, right? If you don't have a heart, you, well, your blood's not going to flow. You're just going to be a puddle, right? If you don't have a head, you don't have a brain, then well, you're not going to be able to think or do anything. It's kind of important to have both, right? So just as it's a folly to think that you can pick one or the other to try and save, it's going to kill the body. So just as it's a folly physically to think about it this way, spiritually it's a folly to think we can worship God without worshiping in spirit and truth. We have to have both in our worship. So body, so hopefully this will bring it full circle and bring the two together. So if you part, turn with me, we got two more scriptures and then I won't ask you to turn anymore. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 10. So if you turn there real quick. So as you're turning there, um, think of the Spirit of God as the like communicator between our head and our heart. It bridges the gap between our head and our heart and works together to communicate. Just as our brain communicates with the heart to function the way it's supposed to function, they communicate together in the spirits within us in the body. So starting 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 10. And we impart this in the world in the words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So the Spirit of God bridges the gap between our head and heart. The Spirit helps us understand the truths about God and discern them, which allows us to know whom we worship. We have to know whom we worship. And be moved by the Spirit in our hearts so we wholeheartedly worship God. Without the Holy Spirit in us, we're we're going to get all these thoughts about truths and things that aren't really truths and be led astray, right? Same thing as the Spirit isn't in us, it's not going to bridge the gap between our head and our heart, so our whole body is able to worship. Show you where the body part is coming from so romans twelve one. if you turn there again the spirit is bridging the gap between the head and the heart to make the body work collectively so romans twelve one, 1 talking about a living sacrifice so starting verse 12 i appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of god to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to god which is your spiritual worship I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So when our head and our heart are fully functioning in worship, our whole body is work is fully functioning in worship, which is what we are called to do. Because it says to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Present your bodies. We have to when we follow Christ, we have to lay down everything and pick up our cross daily, right? We have to follow him. So worship requires us to give ourselves. Because as we do that, as we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is where it's coming from, worshiping in everything that we do. Because when we give ourselves to Christ every day and die to ourselves, we are worshiping. When we know the truths that we see in Scripture, we see them in life our spirit moves in us in our hearts to have those affections, then we are worshiping God in our body. We're worshiping God in all that we do. So, y'all are probably wondering, okay, so how does this really apply? I, hopefully um, I can drive this home with how this works in everyday life. So, how this works, and I'll give an example. So, like I said, I already kind of said it a little bit. We recognize truths that we know in Scripture, right? We read Scripture, we see the truths, the doctrines in Scripture. We go live life. We see things that happen in life, that points us back to the Bible, right? Things that we know. And in doing that and knowing that and knowing whom we worship, the Spirit moves in us and moves our affections, moves our desires to Him, so that we wholeheartedly worship God. So, okay, how does this work? So, basically, I go on a hike. We like to hike. I like to go see nature. So, go on a hike. See a pretty – you're standing there looking at this awesome waterfall. You know, there's tons around here. There's tons of overlooks and different things in nature. So when you're standing there and you're looking at it, you're like, man, this is beautiful. Like, holy cow, like, this is an amazing waterfall, like, or overlook, whatever it is in nature, right? You're like, holy, like, this is awesome. But it doesn't stop there, right? Because we know in Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth, right? He did this, everything that He created was was supposed to radiate His glory, right? So as we stand there, we look at this beautiful creation that God made it points us back to the word, it points us back to the truth that hopefully we know. And in doing that, it's supposed to then point us to God, his creation, things that he's made in this example. We're looking to the, to the waterfall, to the beauty of it, pointing us back to God, right? Because it's a gift. So the gift is supposed to point us to the giver, right? Looking in that. And as we do that, it moves our emotions like, God, like, you are so great. Like, you are, you're, you're amazing. Like, how did you make this? Like, why did you, like, you made everything. You start looking around. That's, that's worship. Like you are worshiping in that moment when you are recognizing things God has made. Your spirit is moving in you, moving your spiritual affections to Him to recognize Him. You're worshiping. We you really don't have to come here on Sunday just to worship. If we stick to that, we're stuck on top of the iceberg. Right? We're not getting to the depths of what we're called to do. We're called to glorify God in everything that we do. Right? We do that by worshiping Him. This is kind of, this is what we, this is most likely what we do, and I know I do it um, in America. And I think too many times we maybe see some kind of beauty, some kind of truth in, in our lives, like, like a waterfall. And, but we're going so fast that we look, we see the waterfall, like, that's awesome. Okay, keep going. we got, we got to go to the next stop. I've got, I got it, somewhere to be. And like, oh, oh we got to go. My phone's going off. Like, oh, i gotta, I got to, crap, i got to do this email. And we go so fast in America that we don't have time to stop. To look at the things God is doing in our lives we don't have time to see them God is moving in us moving in people around us putting people in our lives all the time but when we're going so fast and so busy to have all these things to do we don't have time to stop and to recognize them and when we don't have time to stop and recognize them we're not going to be the spirit not, we're not going to be moving in us to point us to God we're going to forget we're just going to keep going right We're going to drive by that waterfall, that beautiful creation that God is pointing us to God, and we're just going to lose it because we're going so fast. My challenge to you is to slow down because God is moving in you. God is putting people in your lives to talk to, to minister to, to love on, to serve. God is doing things, calling you to do things, to step up, to to just love him, spend time with him in his word. But we go so fast in America that I'm guilty. I do it all the time, especially with school and everything. It's like, but we miss God and reflect on anything if you're going 120 miles an hour, right? Like, you're going to see something cool, but it's going to be, like, three miles back, right? Like, okay, cool, that's going to be it. We have to slow down. So I encourage you and challenge you to slow down and to spend time with God and to look when you, when you wake up. Like, preach the gospel to yourself in the morning. Just remind yourself of those truths so that when you go out that day, you have your mind is kind of already on those truths and you can look with that lens. Because... As we saw in First Corinthians that the natural things are our spiritual things are not if you're a natural person you can't see the spiritual things of God, right? So we have to have that mindset so that we can see what God is doing around us and not miss it. so true worshipers worship God in all of life that's what we're called to do. so as landing the plane uh, we're about to go in a time of communion um, so communion prime example of a way of worship. Go, we go back there as believers to so break the bread, represents Christ's body, truths that we know, right? Dip it into the juice that represents Christ's blood on, that he's spilled for us on the cross to make a way for us to be with God. We see these things, and I hope and pray that as we think through it, as we take communion, that the Spirit moves in us. If, if we love God, if we've been born again, the Spirit's in us, then I hope that that moves affections. That God is seeking after you and you and you. That is worship. Seeing the truths that in life that we know are true in scripture and the spirit moving in us, moving in our hearts and our affections. So I have an example of moving into communion. So you're you know, for the non believers in the room if there are any, uh we love you. Um this is but this is a special time for us as believers to think back and reflect on what Christ has done for us. Um, if you would like to know more about communion, or about anything else said, please come see me or really Gabe, whoever, Carlton. Um, just come see us at the end. So let us pray. Father God, thank you this day. Uh, Father, I just pray that you'll move in, um, move in my heart and mind and everyone in here that we will know, like, true worshipers worship God, worship you in all of life. That we're not called to just come on Sunday to worship. But we're called to worship you in everything that we do and to give our bodies to you as a living sacrifice. So, Father, I just pray that you'll write that on my heart and my mind and all of our hearts and minds in here and just pray that you will move. Um, Father, we love you and we praise you.